there was a time that I'd hold a duster. Um, I'd hold a duster if I wanted them to leave me alone. Cause if, if, if I'm holding a duster, they think I'm going to ask them to start cleaning up. <laughs> I was just about to say. So I would, li- I would make my pastoral calls and hold a duster. <laughs> right, right now I'm like hidden in the corner of my house where they can't really find me. And I've put away my, my, my watch that like rings whenever they want to text me. Like they forget coming physically to come and talk to me. They'd rather mm-hmm. text me from downstairs. So I, 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 I've found a way to like keep myself away from my children so I can do this. Hi, Maya. Hello. Hi, Jordana. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. We had a bit of a chat before the show. And as I said, like I've been wanting to speak to you um, for quite some time. So this is the first time we're kind of like e-meeting or meeting, but <laughs> so great to meet you. Yes, it's great to meet you as well. I've been watching some of your programs and thinking, wow, this is really innovative and interesting and engaging. So thanks for inviting me to do this. Thank you so much for being on. And there's just so much that I love your thoughts on with everything that's happening with the church right now. And I think this topic in particular really spoke to a lot of people just seeing from the RSVPs on the event posting and from the messages that I've received. There's something about this topic in particular and this moment that really, really has spoken to people. Do you have a sense of why that might be why being in ministry and the life of a minister and what that balance is might really be speaking to people right now? I I think we're all going through like this liminal space of transformation, you know, of how we can be the church during the pandemic and looking forward to what will that say to our ministry when we are allowed to be back in the building? Do we really need the building? Um, What is the purpose of being in the building? What is the purpose of being the people congregating and how can we have a bit like have a hybrid sense of being the church as the people, the people who are not dependent on the building and also honoring the space and the tradition of buildings of spaces that people feel connected to. Um, And, and so, yes, it's, it's, it, this is a very interesting time an exciting time, sometimes a depressing time to be a minister but I am so in awe and proud of my colleagues who have just been going through so much with their communities of faith. Yeah, and something that I was so curious about is some, as someone who is not clergy and who does not necessarily um, kind of really have access to certain networks, like was there kind of a meeting of minds with everything that was happening with the pandemic where you're able to sit down with others and say okay we need to start live streaming this is exactly what you need to do kind of amongst your colleagues or was it more so with your congregation and your council that you had those kinds of discussions like how did everyone jump into action and know okay we got to get online this is what it looks like these are the tools that we're going to use and this is how we're going to manage this while homeschooling our children Like, how did you come up with what it was you needed to do in that moment? Uh, It was like giving birth. You're not ready. (laughs) You know, you're just not ready. We did have, I mean, every region is different. 
So within the reg region that I'm in, which is Shining Waters, we did have the support of the region um, getting together, like inviting all the ministers to get together. And we didn't all show up, but to have worship and discussion as to what is going on with this grant and what's going on and what do we suggest. And there were offerings, uh, webinars on how to use Zoom in worship. So there were those things, but once the pandemic hit, it was just so sudden. It was, you know, two marches ago and all of a sudden we can see that things were shutting down. Um, and as a parent, I could see that definitely because I knew um, with all of the things coming from the school that the kids were not going back to school after March break. So I was thought, what is this? What's what's this going on? You know, um, and gathering with my congregation was the number one thing. I mean, the United Church is so congregational in that we are focused on our communities of faith first. It's not top down, it's bottom up. And so getting our worship community on board on the idea that no, we can't go in the sanctuary, you know, we can't sneak into the sanctuary, um, things are shutting down, stay home, stay safe, don't worry, I'm going to figure something out, we're going to find ways of, of, of worshiping together and continuing to run our programs. Um, there was some grieving very, very quickly losing a lot of things that we took for granted, um, mm -hmm. that you could just go into the building and, and run a mom and toddler group, which is what I had at my former community of faith. Um, you can't do that and be safe at the same time. Um, so how do you do that online with parents who don't want their babies staring at a screen, mm -hmm. you know, who are worried about that kind of exposure and, and rightfully so. Uh, so we've had to be very creative um, but no, we didn't get together as the the huge United Church and say, these are your marching orders. There were other churches like the Anglican Archdiocese. They they got instructions from their, from their um, I'm going to call them, I've lost the name. Their bishop, the bishops and the synod and all that stuff that we don't have in the United Church. They, they were told, right, no communion. Whereas... The rest of us were like, okay, how do we do communion? And should we do communion with the United Church? And some congregations have ha haven't had communion for over a year because wow. the congregation voted and decided, no, we don't want to do it that way and uh, virtually. And then others, like the community of faith that I serve presently, uh, we do a virtual communion. So all of those, as the, as as we realized that this was going to be more and more long-term, um, we we had to figure out what to, to do. And we basically landed running. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kind of had to. We had to, we had to. I think like the rest of the world, as as things came up, we addressed it and, and tried to find ways of being safe and still doing, doing our, our job, you know? being involved in our vocation, but it hasn't that, been easy. It hasn't been easy. Yeah. And then just thinking about um, all of the preparation that you've had 
in terms of your education and in terms of just like past experiences across different congregations and in your own personal life. Is there anything that kind of prepared you for this moment? Were there things that you had to do yourself to just like do education on your own? You mentioned that there were resources available around, this is how you use Zoom. And some people had never heard of Zoom prior to this. Some people use it all the time and really are deep into kind of like digital platforms even like prior to the pandemic but um just as someone who did not go to <laughs> like zoom academy yeah, zoom academy um I, but, okay um if there was a course that was available which there wasn't i would not have attended i was the kind of person i'm very one-on-one -on -one and personable right so I'm the kind of person that would avoid online courses when I was in seminary and I'm very new. Like this is the fourth year anniversary of my ordination. Um, before that I was a teacher for 22 years and no, we did not have online learning when I was a teacher. So um, if I knew that a commission or a committee, that's how they met on Zoom, I would actually avoid signing up for that committee or commission. <laughs> Really? So, you know, it. this has been a huge learning curve because I avoid the, I avoided these things and I still, I still kind of temper how, how often should I be in a meeting in a week? Because it's really, really draining. So I had no preparation. If there was any training that was out there before, I, I would not have signed up anyway. Um, the pandemic has forced me forced me to be involved and to find ways of acclimatizing to all of this technology. Um, so when I say it's a huge learning curve, it's a huge learning curve. And because of that, um, so I, I started off at one church and then I, I left during the pandemic last summer and now I'm at another church. So one was further up North of the city of Toronto. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so you know, fiber optics and, and the age of the congregation felt, they felt really uncomfortable with Zoom. We did Zoom services. Um, and so I had to meet with each individual um, on Zoom, like to teach each one wow. to get on Zoom before Sunday and, and to help them. Okay. Are you going to do it over telephone? Let's give it a try. And also just learn to let go and say, okay, this person is not going to be involved if it's over technology and, and, and grieve that because I want everyone to feel connected still, right? Um, now where I am, we live stream on YouTube. And so that's a lot easier. But still, helping um, my congregants to feel comfortable with Zoom, I'm very patient because I wasn't. Um, and, I, and I knew the heart racing that takes place, the frustration, the, okay, getting on Zoom on this computer is gonna look differently, on the iPad is gonna look differently, on a Chromebook, um, how frustrating it can be. If, if I say, okay, look at the tab up, up, up top, they might have it down below. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's just been really challenging, but no, nothing, <laughs> nothing prepared me for this. Um, <laughs> And so, yes, it's like giving birth where you, you but without the, without the pregnancy to warn you that you are going to give birth, right? So you're like that, that person going, oh, I didn't know I was pregnant. I guess I'm having a baby right now. So um, it, was, it was just as painful and, and 
I can say this because I've given birth three times and once to twins, right? So <laughs> I can say. I'll her, take your word for that, how that painful. Just as painful. And then once you get to that point of arrival where you're like, yes, I understand, then the baby poops, right? Like you still have all of these challenges that keep coming up. So yes, mm -hmm. yeah, nothing, nothing prepared me for this. <laughs> Not. Well, I love that. Like, I love the way that I've seen so many ministers just really jump into it. And it sounds like that was kind of your approach too, even though nothing really prepared you for it. You hit the ground running and kind of did what you had to do to adapt. But um, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is when people think about what it is to be a minister and when people think about what it is to uh work within churches a lot of people think about um slow to change um like kind of resistant towards like adopting new ways of doing things and new technologies and all kinds of things like that and i just feel like this period of time really did accelerate not just the specific changes that happen around adopting digital technologies but the willingness to change like I found that people that I interact with day to day and I work with on various projects because they've had this moment where they've had to all of a sudden adopt Zoom or whatever new technology and they've experienced that one win or that feeling of like, oh my gosh, we did this and it worked and now I can speak to more people and we live stream and now more people are coming to worship. Like that, those wins have actually created this interesting ripple where now people at least in my my small world seem more willing to or more confident around taking on changes is that something that you've observed too so like whether or not people are pros at zoom or whatever it is you've noticed a willingness to adopt change within the church or within your individual congregation or your social networks amongst ministry colleagues are you seeing this openness to change and this openness about talking about hard things and what needs to happen in the church happening right now? Yes and no. Okay. Um, I think when change makes sense to everyone, then we are quick to change things. Mm -hmm. um, out of necessity, um, when we know that it's not going to harm anyone, then we're quick to change. Um, and yet there's this feeling that I'm getting, especially from my congregation and even within my own heart, that we would like to return to the comfort of what used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's kind of concerning. And yet, do we want to change the fact that we can sit together and drink a cup of coffee or meet at a cafe and be face to face? No, we don't want to change that. We want to go back to that. We want to go back to you know, me being able to go to the hospital and visit the people who are dying. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so there are there is this urge to go back to the thing, the way things were when it comes to human human contact, because it's been over a year that I haven't been able to go into a hospital and even just put on like the whole suit so that I'm 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 safe around those who have. Um, serious, serious illnesses that I can catch. We can't even do that. We're, we're not mm -hmm. allowed as clergy. Um, had my first vaccine. 
Um, and yet we're still not allowed to just go into the hospital and visit. And this may not be across the board. Maybe there has been some changes in some of the provinces, but I'm talking about my present condition in Toronto. Um, mm -hmm. Families have had to fight to be at the bedside. And so that part we has changed, but we're looking forward to going right back to. When it comes to technology and engaging, I think, yes, we've been quick to change. And now we're really, really excited about, you know, I'm excited about, you know, if we're going to have um, a, a board meeting, and I know that's going to be late at night, that I might be able to say to my people, here's an option. Can you zoom me in? Because I want to be home with my children and put them to bed, as, as opposed to finding a babysitter to put them to bed, because I'm at the church building in a face-to-face -face board meeting that's going until 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know, let me zoom in. So I'm excited about that change and how we found ways to accommodate to be in safe spaces virtually and still be able to um, say that the vote is legit, even though we're mm -hmm. not there in person. So that is exciting. And so looking forward to, okay, like, what does that mean now? If our university students all go to different universities, if my if some of my university students go to University of British Columbia, they can still be involved in our youth group. I would, of course, encourage them to be part of a community person to person wherever they are. But if they want that sense of belonging that they've had all through their childhood and still be involved with their community of faith back in Toronto, well, now we know how. We know uh -huh. how to do that. And that's awesome if we can have all of these different young people who are spread out and go off and do their things and say to them, you can still connect. We can still connect together. I mean, that's exciting. So it's a bit of both. Yes, the change is awesome, but there are some things that I um, feel an urgency. There's a need to return to being able to be a pastoral presence to those who are dying, to uh -huh. those who are dealing with dementia, to family members who are struggling to, uh, to be there for uh, aging parents. Um, I, I haven't been able to be there in, as a physical, physical presence that they need. The ability to have these large funerals that really honor someone who's passed away, you know, um, we haven't been able to do that. We've had these smaller funerals, we've had virtual funerals, and those are not the same. I mean, they're, they're a good way of accommodating, um, but those are not the same. The small mm -hmm. weddings, the, the lack of bridezillas and the really small weddings, those are great. I, I want to keep those. <laughs> say yeah you can't have 500 people <laughs> i can't yep. have 500 people happy but um that will change as well uh but yes it, it's it is heart-wrenching to see what mm -hmm. happened to families who haven't had the opportunity to say goodbye in the way that they were hoping to and then then after that to not be able to grieve in the way that they want to or celebrate the life of the person who has died in the way that's it's been over a year of, of such sadness. And how do you um, like, how can you be with someone in those moments of having to now 
I don't know, grieve over Zoom or not be able to be with people physically? I mean, how can you, when people are grappling with that and they're thinking about the fact that they can't attend a funeral in the same way or they can't just be with their family members, how have you kind of adapted your um, pastoral relationships or how, like, is there, is there a, are there best practices? Is there, have you found a right way to, to, to do this? Because it's just, and what you're describing, one of the things that I hadn't thought a lot about, but that kind of came out in your description of how things have changed is that the work of ministry is so like physical and like embodied and about being present with people. Sometimes there's this thought about, um, ministers liking to like just like grapple with the theological concepts in an abstract way and kind of pontificate about things but like you're really describing this very physical embodied present part of ministry that sometimes I forget about but it is really about being there physically so how do you grapple with how to do that now how have you adapted your approach your strategy your practices now that we are kind of where we are well jordana my my practices my best practices may be different than someone else's i can only speak about how i uh, approach ministry and it may be Mm -hmm. helpful to someone else but we all have our own style as as much as we are each individuals yes i i do have an embodied approach as someone who is, I guess I'm very incarnational when it comes to my theology, my practical theology, in that if if Jesus came, as God came in Jesus, as a human being, right? Flesh and blood, human being, eating Mm -hmm. being with the disciples, then this would be a nightmare for God, right? (laughs) This whole virtual thing, because God's not a virtual God. God is a very present, physical, embodied, God in Jesus Christ. Um, And I truly believe that the United Church is still a church that believes in Jesus. Um, So for me, wow, um, my presence, the best way that I've found for me and my congregants has been just over the phone. And, and, And for me to remember, so I spent three and a half years living in Japan away from my family and friends. Oh, wow. Um, in a situation where, um, because Japan is so far away and it's expensive to visit, um, I, and, and because um, I was an English speaker, a French speaker, but not a Japanese speaker, I was there to teach English and to speak in English as much as possible. Um, sometimes I felt isolated. And so I go back to that time when I felt isolated and think about the things that helped me the most. And the things that helped me the most was to be able to connect on the phone um, more than anything else, to, to hear a voice, a, a loving, present voice, and at times to hear the silence and to just mm-hmm. be um, connected over the phone. Um, I, I had the opportunity of developing a close relationship with my father that way. He, he had friends with the, the Jamaican embassy, he was living in Jamaica, in Kingston, Jamaica. And so we were able to speak once a week. And at times that was life-saving. And so that memory of being able to speak to someone who I looked up to, who understood me, who understood me without any explanation, you know, um, who could speak my language, but not just, not just English, but Patois, 
and also our family language, our cultural language. Each church, each faith community, I hope, has its own culture, has its own language, own way of being. And as a minister, I offer a moment where the congregants can have that reminder of where they belong and to whom they belong to. Um, and, and that's God. It's Jesus Christ. It's, it's, our, it's our church family. Um, and so I'm not only present in my voice and in my, my speaking with them in the reminders and the questions, but also in the silences, just to listen, to listen to everything that they have to say, everything that's on their heart, to ask them questions like, how is it with your soul today? How mm-hmm. is it with your soul today? A question that maybe the nurse or the PSW may not ask because we're so secular, you know? Um, How is it with your soul today? And allow them the space to express themselves as a spiritual being. Um, That's what I do right now. And I I find that that helps. That Mm -hmm. helps not only, because ministry is a conversation, right? So it's not only for the congregants that I'm offering pastoral care to, but it helps for me to feel like, okay, Yes, I am still caring for my people. Um, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me to ask questions that are courageous, that are caring and compassionate. Um, And in a way, I'm hopefully, God willing, I'm making a difference in their lives just for that moment. Uh That helps for me. What my other colleagues are doing, I'm sure they're doing a great job as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, in their own way and style. But that that is, you know, what I need. That is what I'm called to do by my faith community. Um, it's what they what they expect of me from the way that I present myself. They they don't expect any less than for me to be Maya, the Maya that they call to their community of faith. Yeah, and just thinking about, um, so you mentioned that it was during the pandemic that you were actually called to this new church. And um, I know there's a a process of getting to know people that um, includes just attending meetings, bumping into people more casually, sharing coffee and meals together. There's kind of like the very formalized, okay, let's check all the boxes, fill out all the forms side of getting to know a new congregation and getting settled in. But there's also a very organic relational side. What was that like having to do that during the pandemic? How do you get settled in with a new church? How do you meet all the people you need to meet when you can't bump into them in the hallways? What did that look like for you? You don't. You don't really get. <laughs> I'm a pain, aren't I? No, you don't really get to know the people. I can't wait to meet my people. I've met my people like in person. I've met them this, you know, this up with our masks on. Um, you know, when when it's been a shifting sand, you know. Sometimes we're in complete lockdown. Sometimes we're in the orange zone, the red zone, the gray zone. I can't keep track of what color zone we're in. Um, 
I, when we were able to be in sanctuary, we had a limited amount of people who had to register to come in. And so I met some of the people, but I wouldn't be able to recognize them because I guess I depend on this part of the face or the whole face, but in the half of the face, I, I um, so when we're on Bible study, when we're on Zoom meetings, I get to see all of their face. But for example, I've had presiders come in because we have a, a, a small amount of people for our live stream. I've had presiders come in going, wow, you're a lot shorter than I thought because we, we have a, we're all the same height. Everything's just so equal um, in the 2D world, right? So um, no, I haven't really met them. What I've forced myself to do is go out of my comfort zone. Most of my friends know that I'm a slow burn. It takes very long to get to know me. Um, I've been more open just because... I know that we have this limitation. So, you know, my quirky, mostly inappropriate um, humor, I've shared with my people to their shock um, and, and then to their amusement. Uh, they don't know that I wouldn't open up that way until like maybe year five or six of knowing me, but I'm just mm -hmm. like, no, we're not going to get to know each other fast enough. So let me just show you who I am. In the interview process, I did ask, uh, I did ask some really deep questions uh, because I knew that they really weren't going to get to know me right away if the pandemic had stretched out. So a question like, do you know that I'm black? Do you know what that means to have a black minister? And um, to hear their interesting comments of, wow, <laughs> she's going right there. But that was because... Um, when you are interviewing in that way, you don't get to actually see me until maybe the second or the third time we meet. Um, you may not actually think about how, how I, who I am as a physical presence, you know? Mm -hmm. and so I asked very difficult questions that I usually would just keep to myself and, and allow people to have time to observe. We haven't had the, the luxury of the slow burn. So that that's been really interesting for me. It's been a it's a, been a huge uh, learning curve and um, a moment of growth to be as open to um, harness and hold my worthiness and to appreciate that people want to know me. Mm -hmm. um, I see Norm Seeley saying. <laughs> And Norm Seeley, uh, he, uh, he, he journeyed with me through my discernment and ordination. And um, he knows it takes a really long time to get to know me, which was probably a nightmare when it came to all the interviews leading up to ordination because you don't have, so it's very much like interviewing for towards the process of, of being a, as a candidate where you have such a short time to say, this is who I am. And so if you're the uh -huh. kind of person like, you'll get to know me in five years. <laughs> yeah, not going to work right now. Not very helpful. So starting ministry with a new community of faith is very much like that, you know, that quick, that quick interview where you really have to open up your heart and show who you are. Um, totally out of my comfort zone. Um, definitely like speed dating. Um, <laughs> But it has it has worked out because I've found ways of sharing my complexities, um, honoring my complexities, 
but in um, biteable chunks. Yeah, and that's really interesting. And just kind of circling back to some of those initial um, real, very forward questions that you asked of your congregation or your prospective congregation, um, you mentioned that you asked them, kind of like, do you know I'm Black and do you know what that means to have a Black minister? Thinking about what that might mean in this present moment in the context of the United Church, what for you does that mean? Or how has that shaped your experience? Or how might that shape um, that congregation's experience? And I know this is speaking in generalities. Black people are not a monolith. With all that being said, oh what God. sorts of things um, do you think uh, again, everyone has their own experience, so I hate talking in these general ways, but just if you had to really flag a few things that might um, come up in this process as a Black person navigating it and then as a Black person trying to find a church that's a good fit and being in ministry, like what sorts of things were you kind of trying to gesture at for them? Mm. Well, now that we're a church that voted to work towards becoming anti-racist, I thought that was when general counsel met uh, the first time and had the questions around it and um, decided to think more about it and then learn more about it and then to vote on it the next time we met. I, I thought a number of things as a black minister my, my question around, am I safe here? And I'm not mm -hmm. talking about physical safety. I'm talking about emotional and spiritual and even mental <laughs> safety because it's so triggering to talk about race and racism. It takes a lot out of me as someone who is racialized and treated as less than, right? So um, I, I felt affirmed and seen and loved when we voted towards becoming an anti-racist church. Very important to say becoming because mm -hmm. we feel like we reach there. It's not a static, like it's not a state of being. It is a way of living into the gospel. It is a continuous process just as systemic racism is a continuous process that's chipping away, chipping away, chipping away at the humanity of racialized people. It just, you don't, you don't wake up and go, I'm in a racist society. No, you wake up, you have breakfast, you turn on the TV, you hear something racist, you walk outside, you hear something racist, you get to school, you hear something racist, you're treated less than, you go to the grocery store, you get followed around the grocery store, you treat it, you know? And, and so, it's a continuous thing. So us as a church living into the gospel of, of loving and seeing those who are less than, of uplifting so that the least become the most, the last become the first, the hungry become the fed, um, then we will be the church when we honor the fact that it's a becoming that we need to continually work towards being anti-racist. Um, mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, I worry 
that some people may have thought, okay, that's it. We've done it. <laughs> Look at what we've done. <laughs> Aren't we social justice minded? And, um, and that was it. So they were offered, or they think that they were offered the okie doke, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're complaining. We have to, you know, get on that bandwagon. Um, and so look at what we've done. We've done the vote. The vote is done, right? We have some particular people in positions of power at general counsel. Okay, look, we've done what we've needed to do. And that's it. And I'm just like, no, you've just signed up for a lifetime of da -da -da -da, work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and uh, it's interesting because if you really think about uh, how we are all disciples of Christ, we're all part of this priestlyhood of discipleship, right? We are all disciples. Part of being a disciple is continually learning mm -hmm. and becoming and doing and living into the gospel. And, and so we should never become complacent and we should never, never think that the work is done. The work is so not done. As soon as we feel like we have made it, we are backsliding. Um, what does that look like for someone who is black? Um, it's, it's hope. It's, 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 it's the warmth of the darkness and, 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 and embracing that darkness as, as a mother's womb where things can grow, creation can take place only in moments of darkness. And, and, and so I, I'm, I'm excited, wary, aware, <laughs> scared, all of those things. But especially at a time of pandemic, isn't it wonderful to just feel something? Mm -hmm. Feel something and to feel like there is maybe some motion, some movement towards something that can be amazingly life-giving and, and affirming. I think, I think that's awesome. So I'm excited, but you know, I'm watching. <laughs> Good, someone don't needs let, to be watching. Don't let me down, United Church, don't let me down. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard because like, the intent is there in a lot of ways, but there is something about the nature of bureaucracy, the nature of how these things can go sometimes that can allow the process to be a little bit slowed down and allow people to instead of focusing on this everyday process of becoming, like you mentioned, they start to focus on the policies and the paperwork and we check this off and we made this statement and we this is our mission state like a mission statement does not make a mission like you have to just I mean you have to actually do the work you can kind of sit down for years and years and come up with the perfectly crafted wording around what it is you want to be or what it is you want to do but if you're not doing that day-to-day -day, um very like very hard, very challenging, very uncomfortable process of becoming, then you're not really doing the work. And obviously, I, I know you need to have policies in place. I know that these are ways that big institutions work. And I'm not saying that you need to ignore that whole bureaucratic side of things. But there's also like a very like 
real, like, okay, you've signed off on everything, you have all the paperwork, like, what are you doing day to day to empower people, to kind of put people in um, positions to flourish, to take boundaries out of people's way, besides putting just a few people in a few positions, like, what does that look like? And that's obviously a huge question that you wouldn't necessarily have the answer to, but there are so many aspects of what it is that the church does that need to be looked at for this very like relational embodied work of becoming yeah yeah i i agree i agree um can i say it I, I always fall back on how i am as a teacher right and i am always going to be a teacher and whenever i prepared a report card i also prepared it looking at what have i done where in in which ways may i have failed this student what can we do together to improve in ways that will allow them to be successful by the end of the year and leading into the following years? So that if I end up having that student again, <laughs> I'm not paying the price for my own mistakes. Um, so yeah, you can have words. We're very good at words. If we remember that we're the church, and that Jesus is the living word, that words are not just meant to be on paper, but the word lived among us and healed and fed and washed our feet and served, then we can, whenever we write words on paper, we could treat it as something that's living, that needs to heal, that needs to teach, that needs to feed, um, and so then we will get away from only having policies and instead take it into moments of action. Because you know what, when we are inactive, when we, when there are moments of inaction, we're actually teaching the world something about us that we don't care. Um, that, you know, we, we, we're just giving lip service. And when we do that, then we are involved in something that separates from separates us from God. Because mm -hmm. God is always active and creative and innovative and offering to change our hearts and our way of being, right? So if we just put words and there's no action behind the words, then are we not sinning? And I think maybe if we are we take it a little bit more seriously or not seriously, but if we look at it from that aspect, that words that don't move, that don't feed, that don't change the world is sinful, sinful, then we have hope. We have hope mm -hmm. for, for real change, um, relational change, um, life changing moments, right? Um, people yeah. are scared of change. And so they hide behind bureaucracy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we need to honor that. Uh, a lot of times when I find that there's some conflict or there's a lack of movement, I go to people and I also reflect on it as well. Cause whenever, whenever I ask a question, I'm also asking myself that question. What are we afraid of? You know, when that meeting is going on forever, we've all had that meeting. 
it just goes on forever. You're yeah. Thinking, <laughs> you're thinking to yourself, I'm never going to leave this meeting. I like to just stop things and say, what are we afraid of? What, can we just stop for a moment and, and figure out what are we afraid of? Can we pray over this? Put some intentional meditative work behind this. What are we afraid of? The United Church has an opportunity of doing that every so often when we feel like there isn't any movement. You know, like we're in the midst of the decade, right? Isn't that the decade for people of African descent? Yeah. And I'm not seeing much movement. I'm not seeing much, you know, maybe there are things going on, but they're, they're, they're so few and far between or so invisible that even me as somebody of, the, of that's looking for it is not really seeing much of it. And I would like to say to some, somebody involved in that, and I'm talking about the United Nations, I'm not talking about United Church of Canada, but maybe we're involved in it in some way. What are we afraid of? Like, seriously, what are we afraid of? Why hasn't been this been? Because the African diaspora is so diverse, right? Mm-hmm. We like a good fit. We like a good fit. You can go to any country with African people. We like a good party, right? So what, what has happened that has caused this to become like this really quiet, um, uneventful decade? <laughs> Well, you know, I have my theories and I don't know, I don't know if we're going to talk about it, talk about it. So I'm kind of, <laughs> this whole discussion, I'm like, are we going to talk about it, talk about it or just, mm. but I think that there is something just to kind of like, I think there is something very particular about that work that calls folks to implicate themselves in the oppression so to celebrate this is to also do the work of like directly implicating yourself in the fact that this is kind of like this state of being in the church and in the world and that can be scary for people like for example when people are like celebrating the first this or the first that person to have this position in the church even celebrating that out loud they have to implicate themselves in the fact that it's 2020, 2021. Isn't that actually kind of embarrassing? Not something to celebrate, but and why is it the first in 2020 or 2021? What are the everyday atrocities that I am implicated in, participate in, allow, turn a blind eye to that has created this state of affairs? So I think that out loud celebration also creates an out loud um, statement of what has happened or what you have allowed to continue for this to be the state of affairs. So I think there's a bit of that happening sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if I can steal something from Affirm United, it needs to be public. It needs to be intentional. It needs to be explicit. explicit. It just needs to be out there. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to heal until we actually say, you know what, that is not good. You know, that that wound is open, it's gaping, it's scarred over, but as soon as you get close to it, it starts bleeding again. Um, until we do something that says, this is real, then there's no healing. And the decade is almost done, you know? So I hear what you're saying, Jordana, I, 100%. That totally says something um, about the state of the world. The whole world is in this, right? 
but at the same time, it's it's it it needs to be public, intentional, mm-hmm. Um So yeah, it's it. This is a it is an it is an interesting time. It's an inter- interesting time to be a minister. It's an interesting time to be a mother and a minister. It's an interesting time to be a black woman and a minister. It's an interesting. It's just it's just an yeah. interesting time. <laughs> everything is like anything that I was trying to avoid and ignore is like right in my face, going well. <laughs> Really need to open up to a bunch of strangers, and it's not you need to like fast track at my. I don't have five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a time of change, and just like to circle back, just one last moment to what you mentioned mm. about it kind of being or to borrow from Affirm United. Maybe there needs to be like a um, affirming process around anti-racism, and I don't want to appropriate that language of affirming, but maybe there no, needs to no be word. like a mm-hmm. something in a similar vein that actually gives people a process to go through. And like, these are the things that need to be done. And not that there is a a checklist, a book list that you can just read and then you're good. As you said, it's this process, but I think you've kind of, you're kind of like onto something and borrowing from that process. Like, I think that's something that needs to be considered in the midst of all of this, but that's the last I'll say. We're welcome to have another chat about this another time. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, but just thinking about doing all of this work, I mean, as you mentioned, as a mother and a minister and just like as a human being living in this very challenging time, I mean, how are you? How are you really doing? How are you coping? I am struggling. Folks, I am struggling. I'm a single mother, first of all. I'm a single mother of four children. I have a 13-year-old. I have a nine-year-old who will be 10 in December, and I have seven-year-old twin boys. Wow. The, the, yeah, they present as boys at this point. The two older ones present as girls. They're lovely, lovely, lovely. The homeschooling, not so much. <laughs> um, you know, my children want to be children. I always encourage my children to be children. Um, I encourage them, um, I, I model for them that when I come home in the evening um, around four or five, I, I cut my ministry short, like I cut my time of work short and I focus on them 100%. Um, they are not to use devices. <laughs> They're not to use That's devices. That's a tough one. <laughs> They're not to use devices except on the weekend for an hour each. Um, because the eye doctor says that it can cause, cause some degeneration, some early degeneration. It's not safe. Um, I remember an interview with Steve Jobs saying that he doesn't allow his children to use iPads because they're not meant for them. So mm-hmm. I heard that when before I had kids and I was like, oh, it's not meant for children. So it's not meant for children. Well, now my children use them all the time to do their work. And unplugging them is very, very difficult because of it's got all these bells and whistles and it just lets their hormones, the dopamine and everything. They're, they're just feeling really, really good. And then I withdraw them from that. And, and, you know, they kick and scream as I take them bike riding. But they have been used to having my attention in the evening. And then the deal is you go to bed. You go to bed 839 and mommy goes back to work. And then I continue whatever I need to do or meetings or whatever. But when we're together, I give them my undivided attention. That is impossible if I'm working from home online 
Mm -hmm. And they're also online using devices that they weren't allowed to. So our lives have changed completely and it has been a struggle. It has been a struggle to give them my undivided attention. Um, and it has been a struggle for me to get their undivided attention as well, because now they're junkies, right? They want, yeah. they, you know, I don't light up whenever I'm happy. You know, I don't give them a reward. And now you get this little house to build in your, in your village. I, I'm just, you know, they'll tell me some things. I'm like, oh, that's good. And I realize they want, that's great. Like they want a dopamine hit. They want me to yeah. cartwheel. <laughs> I'm not doing a cartwheel for you, child, just because you put away your books. You know, thanks for putting away your books. But so they, they, they're junkies for, um, for, for praise that, I would normally not, you brush your teeth. Yeah, that is a basic human skill. Why do I now have to say, yes, you brushed your teeth? <laughs> because they're logged on to apps that get all excited when you know their little figurine goes in a certain area. It's like we're going these different levels of, of activity as if we're in a video game. So mm -hmm. yeah, it is challenging. It is challenging because there was a time that I'd hold a duster. Um, I'd hold a duster if I wanted them to leave me alone. Because if 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 I'm holding a duster, they think I'm going to ask them to start cleaning up. <laughs> I was just about to say. So I would I would make my pastoral calls and hold a duster. <laughs> right, right now I'm like hidden in the corner of my house where they can't really find me, and I've put away my 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 watch that like rings whenever they want to text me. Like they forget coming physically to come and talk to me. They'd rather mm -hmm. text me from downstairs. So I I I I've found a way to like keep myself away from my children so I can do this. But usually they want my attention, and they only want my attention when I'm online, when I'm in a Zoom meeting. Everyone has met my children. Um, but yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I'm struggling. And then if I want them to come, I turn, I go to the bathroom and I turn on water or I flush the toilet because they come running. Mommy's in the washroom. I'm going to go bother mommy. Right. Aww. So a lot of times that I'm wasting water, I'm sorry, people, it's not environmentally friendly, but I'll just turn on water instead of shouting out their name, just turn on water in the bathroom. They will come hold a duster or start vacuuming for no apparent reason. They will run. It's, it's just, you know, <laughs> You gotta figure out. <laughs> like you gotta have a strategy. You gotta figure out the tricks, you know. And it's so funny because you're just like you're you're here, you're on this live, but I it's like you also have to be thinking about all this stuff in the background and like strategizing around, okay, I'm in this room, I have to make sure that this is in place and you know that I'm and I'm not available. Like it's just like there's so there's so much and you're mm -hmm. kind of like getting a view into people's homes or even lives in a way that you wouldn't prior to COVID and all the Zoom meetings and everything, like when I see people sitting in like their living rooms or wherever, I feel like I'm getting an interesting view into their life and like a peek into things that I wouldn't normally. And I guess for the parents working at home, like part of that peek is sometimes there will be children who <laughs> want to join the conversation. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they want to join the conversation. They want me to cut some apples so that they can have a snack, you know, because they run through the snacks like locusts in a field, right? They're just finishing the snacks. 
by Tuesday. It must be done by Tuesday so that I can play. I can complain Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Mom's not going out because it's COVID. I'm not going out many times to the grocery store, right? So you mm-hmm. snacks for the week. That's your problem, right? So, um, but yeah, I, I've taken up playing the bass guitar to kind of uh, help me relax. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been a stressful time. What breaks my heart, Jordana, is when they look at me and they go. Do you have a meeting tonight? You know, can we watch a movie together? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad whenever I can say, actually, no, I don't have a meeting. You have mommy, you know, tonight. Um, but most of the time I'm, I'm saying, yes, I, I do have a meeting. Um, no, we can't watch a movie together. That, that part is really, really hard because before, like I said, work stayed at work. And then when uh-huh. I had my time with my children, I had my time with my children and then, and that's how, that's how I like to have things is they have my, so, so I found that the behavior issues that people talk about with children, I don't really have that, but that's years of teaching experience that if you give them enough attention, then they won't take part in negative attention grabbing moments, you know, mm-hmm. have less fights, less conflict. Cause at the end of the day, you know, I remember a child gave me a hard time and he would come in from recess every day with frostbite. His feet were cold. That's mm-hmm. what the issue was. His feet were cold and it just showed up in different ways of erasers flying across the room, of disrespectful language, turning over tables, carrying on. His feet were cold. And one day I actually took off his socks and rubbed his feet. And I don't know if his feet were ever cold again, because I'm not his mother. I'm not the one that's supposed to give him the socks and the proper footwear and everything. But that one time of me taking off his stinky shoes and socks and just rubbing the feet, rub the feet, rub the feet, rub the feet. It wasn't the first time that I'd ever done that. I've rubbed, I've rubbed um, several children's feet. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just attending to those needs of, I need attention. I need your love right now. I need your attention. I need your love right now. Um, That's hard to do in this time when we're all in the same space using computer technology to talk to other people and not to each other. It's very, Mm -hmm. and so that's why I, I don't, I'm sure I don't look like I'm struggling, but this is not how I parent. Yeah, it's not ideal for me at all, at all, at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like how things kind of seep into your home life or like creating those boundaries at a time where it's now even more difficult because people feel like because you can technically like just hop on a Zoom call that they can kind of be in touch with you at all times or like even in terms of like messaging and now that ministry is going online more so and people are more so on social media and it's not people emailing you anymore. It's people messaging you. Sometimes there's those boundary related things too, where again, that work life seeps into the home life and it's just, it's so hard to keep those things separate. And like, I I mean, I cannot imagine, I don't have any children at this moment, but just in describing the ways that prior to all of this, like you were able to keep that separation, but now even for 
your children to do their schoolwork. It's almost like they are required to be online. They have to be online. They have to have that screen time. So you're not able to have that same separation. And if you opt them out of that, you're opting them out of even being able to do like basic aspects of their work. It's just that that's such a hard thing to balance. And it's such a hard thing to have firm boundaries around because there's so much pushback around. They have to be. Yeah. The boundaries are the boundaries are completely gone. Um, I can't wait to have my home back. Um, it's not a school. It's not a church. It's my home. And I really feel strongly about the space that I create for myself and my children. Um, no, I've, I've already had one child wake up in the morning and like create a fort with covers and say, I don't want to go to school, which meant that he, he didn't want to go downstairs and just spent half the day sleeping, which are signs of depression. Mm -hmm. Um, Seven-year-old, that's really, and I've been very intentional. I I think about children who were in homes that were already abusive before pandemic. How are they surviving it right now? The frustration of my children, you know, and their teachers have been awesome. Patient, Mm -hmm. engaging, funny sometimes just like I oh I listen in on the lessons and I'm like what girl I I don't know man I don't know if I'd be able to do this myself um really amazing but still my kids have questions like what do I do now and they don't want to they don't want to click on go madame because they go to French school madame you know I don't understand uh comment ça va dire this word in in French or whatever so they come to me and meanwhile I'm like shooing them away because I'm talking oh yes and how do you feel about that? How is it with your soul? I'm just like, get away from me. Get away from me. <laughs> Pick up that duster. <laughs> right now. You know, and so I've had meltdowns. Mommy wasn't there for them and all this stuff. And it's, you know, it's been difficult. But at the end of the day, I'm just hoping that um, they'll remember, like I'll remember, that we tried our best. We really, really tried our best. Um, that they're loved. Um, and, and, and I, I really work hard. Like they have never eaten so well. (laughs) I really work hard to pander to their whims and to just keep them happy in whatever way possible. Uh, I've never been on so many walks and bike rides and just, you know, spending time with them, watching shows that I'm so not interested in, but having, having some downtime with them and, and also, just, you know, modeling, you know, pick up your instrument. But my kids all, they, they're like a string quartet, so they all play a stringed instrument. So they've been able to mm-hmm. still take lessons. You know, anybody with a woodwind instrument, brass instrument, it's a little tricky because there's blowing involved. And so mm-hmm. COVID particles, right? You worry about that. But they've been able to continue with their instruments. So just model with them what healthy living looks like to Uh put down the technology and to do something else that involves your body, do something else that involves music and movement, do something that engages your mind um, beyond, you know, the technological thing. Like I, I still, I even do dare drop everything and read um, with my, with my children. And I, and I force myself, okay, I know I'm in the middle of doing this, but it's time for drop everything and read. So we drop everything literally like the place is a mess and we find the book that we're reading. And then we talk about like, what are you reading right now? You know, what does that, what does that, what does that remind you of? And um, 
because so many things just for and so many stories narratives follow some sort of biblical representation so i can still be theological with my children um yeah it's it's but it is it is mm-hmm. it is difficult you know they all need running shoes right now i don't know how to check out shoe size i'm not going to order something online without them trying it on i'm not really into the whole order something Okay, it's the wrong shoe. Send it back and back, order it again, you know. So my kids like have holes in their shoes. <laughs> you know, like I'm so prideful as 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 a Jamaican descent person. It's like my kids cannot have holes in my shoes, holes in their shoes. Like, what will the neighbors say? And you know, it's it's uh it's it's a struggle. It's really, really a, I just have to, you know, be kind to myself and say to myself, I am a good mother. And when I'm not being a good mother, that's okay. I'm their mother. Um, I just need to love them and, and move on. Forgive myself. Forgive them. I never hold a grudge anyway. I'm so very forgiving. Um, but I hope that they forgive me. After, after all that's said and done, I hope they forgive me for my shortcomings. Because there have been some shortcomings during this time. Uh-huh. And I think that's such an important takeaway just in general, that we need to kind of have this spirit of forgiveness, not just for others, but for ourselves. And we're all going through a hard time where, for the most part, we are all just doing our best. There is nothing that has prepared us for this moment. There are so many things that if we knew then what we knew now, perhaps we'd do a little bit differently, but it's just, we are all doing our best in this process. And just thinking about as we wrap up, um, Mm -hmm. others who are working in ministry, who are also balancing what it means to raise a family in this day and age with the technology and online school and just Mm -hmm. the state of the world (laughs) and everything that's happening and trying to make sure your kids are getting that kind of time in where they're not attached to a screen and they're out and you're having that kind of FaceTime with them. Like, is there any any words that you can offer others that are in that situation and who are like you, just making sure that they are doing the best they can for everyone around them in this moment and all of that entails and all that takes. Like, is there anything that you can you can offer folks in this moment? <laughs> One word to solve all their problems. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And, and is the word. Just, just hold on to the end. Let go of all the butts. You know, you are doing the best that you can and God loves you and you're lovable and we'll get through this. Um, try to be as positive as possible while honoring that all feelings are valid. So it, when, when it becomes really, really hard and overwhelming, to find ways to reach out to others. And if there is no one that you want to reach out to, then reach for your guitar, reach for your pen and paper, reach for your palette of paint, reach for something that will allow you to be creative, turn on some music and dance. Dance like no one is watching because no one is watching. (laughs) No one cares. And if you are surrounded by people who care, well, forget them and still dance. Dance like the Holy Spirit, you know, um, we're doing the best that we can. And, and at the end of the day, you know, like I said, I'm very incarnational. So 
I'm always in awe with the fact that God trusted us with Jesus, trusted this young unwed woman and this older man that, you know, was thinking of kicking her to the curb at one point. Um, God loves us so much that God trusts us with God. That makes us pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, trust yourself with yourself. Trust yourself with God. You know, faith is a conversation. If God trusts us so much with God, Jesus, then possibly could we just reciprocate just a little bit and trust ourselves in God's hands? You are so lovable. We are so loved. As long as we remember that, then maybe we can forgive ourselves a little bit more. Maybe we can be a little bit more patient with each other, with ourselves, be more kind. Maybe we can hold off on insisting on our own way. Uh Amen. (laughs) And I mean, that... That one word to solve all the problems was kind of a, a bit of a, a challenge, but you actually did it with the end. That kind of shocked me a little bit. I was like, whoa. Just stuff okay. That, stuff that I think about in my free time, you know, <laughs> the time that I got. It's just, you know. <laughs> so if you are tuning in or watching this on the replay, I, I just, I want everyone to like truly keep this in mind as you navigate your day-to-day life and you try to make your way through the week just be gentle on yourself and remember we are all doing our best and remember that and and think about the fact that this will not be forever yes it seems that way right now and it's hard to know exactly when it will quote-unquote end but I do know that the one thing that's true is that this will not be forever and we're going to be together once again. We're going to worship together once again in person, as well as also, I think, maintaining some of the good aspects that we've identified of, in what it is to be worshiping and being together virtually. But I think, I mean, we will be together once again. Just everyone keep that in mind. Um, yeah, so any any last words before we <laughs> before we sign off? No, I mean, thank you so much for this opportunity to chat with you. Um, I've enjoyed myself. So thank you. And, and you know, I, I hope that anyone who's listening in um, will get something from this. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I, I'm easy to find. So if anybody ever wants to reach out and just have a chat with me, if you want to reach out and have a chat with me, but anybody who wants to have a chat with me, um, you can find me easily and and um i'm i'm willing to be there in in relationship with those who want to chat want to challenge my thought processes want to ask for a good recipe to something anything i am a hundred percent available when i can be found (laughs) because i I have boundaries so you may not be able to find me (laughs) But once you find me, if you have a question or you want to talk or comment or anything, by all means, don't be strangers. I'm here. and I'm here to serve. I love that. So as you've heard, Maya is here to be a resource. If you can find her, (laughs) she's there. (laughs) So (laughs) this was a lovely discussion. And thank you so much for your time and speaking to all of these day-to-day challenges of what it is to 
do ministry and be in ministry and be in community and to navigate parenting and the world and the pandemic and everything, everything. everything. <laughs> so. can do it, can do it, everyone. Yes. <laughs> Thank, so you. The, Thank you so much for being on. That is it for today. So we will be signing off by everyone who is viewing or rewatching. <laughs> oh, 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 oh.